I pressed a button on the side. Is that still okay? You're in so much trouble. <laughs> Everything is broken and the podcast is canceled. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Witch Please, a podcast about the Harry Potter world. That's not. I took out fortnightly. That's uh, true. We're not fortnightly anymore. No, that's a lie. Uh, Just a podcast. <laughs> I could put in the word, word occasional. <laughs> a sometime podcast. Mm-hmm. Your sometime podcast about the Harry Potter world. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Witch Please, a podcast about the Harry Potter world. I'm Marcel Cosman. And I'm Hannah McGregor. Do you want me to do that again? No, it was perfect. Was it? Yeah. All right. All of this is going in. I'm not editing anything out of this episode. That's going to be Rogue Witch Please. We just don't edit anymore. Yeah, exactly. Fuck it. We are so excited to be back. But we have some news. Hannah, yeah. would you like to break the news? I would like to break the news. Um, we had a really lovely hour-long check-in before we started recording today about sort of where we're at in our lives and also in relation to this project. And after some hard inward looking and an agreement that, that one day we will make another podcast together, we've decided that that for now, this is going to be the last season of Witch Please. We love this podcast a lot, and we love our community of listeners a lot, uh, but it's getting harder and harder for us to sustain it, and it's getting harder and harder to sort of keep the momentum up. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I think we just really miss doing a a podcast where we read books. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For a, a project that Hannah is doing, I filled out a survey her and I was during our check-in at the beginning I was telling Hannah how nostalgic and delighted I was reminiscing about the early 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 episodes of this podcast when <laughs> we didn't like when nobody listened to it and, and <laughs> we just kind of you know we just got together and did silly things and had silly conversations and then the world mm-hmm. got like super real and yeah, it's it's hard. Ugh. It feels hard at this particular moment to make a silly podcast. And a lot of what made Witch Please really special originally had to do with us living in the same city. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel here while we're doing just a heartfelt check in, I feel a little bit worried that without Witch Please, we'll just never talk anymore. Oh, my so God. So can we make sure that isn't true? Yeah, I think that we could spend more time doing things that we don't have to edit later. <laughs> It just occurred to me that it's possible to have a friendship that you don't record and then edit sound effects into. (laughs) We could have like scheduled movie dates and... uh... Yeah, everybody just come look for us on Twitter. We'll be live tweeting various bad movies. Yeah. If you didn't see us live tweeting Fifty Shades Grayer, grayer. let me tell you, you missed a wild night. I can't wait until we do Fifty Shades Freer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. 
But we are back for uh, one last season, which we have lovingly named Witch Please Gone Rogue. <laughs> because if it's our last season, we can just do whatever crazy shit we want. <laughs> like barely edit an episode. Definitely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And... We also, you know, during our during our heartfelt check-in, we also talked about the fact that, you know, like, nobody can predict the future. We might do a Witch Please reboot. We might just, like, read the entire New Canadian Library series and give big thumbs down to every book. <laughs> <laughs> Two thumbs down to Canlet, the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Can tell us how to spell and we'll make a Canlet podcast. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I would love, you know, in a couple of years when our lives have gotten calmer, that's a hilarious joke. Ha! Um, just start over again and reread all the Harry Potter books again. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so <laughs> we are here today to talk not about the end of the podcast, but about, I was looking for some parallelism and I don't have it. But about the uh, end of our time friendship. as <gasps> I, I mean, I wasn't Oh my god. Oh no. That's real. Uh, Not about endings, but about beginnings. The beginning yeah. of this new season. This rogue season. The beginning of our time as people who have actually been to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. <gasps> Which we have and we are. Mm-hmm. We did it. We did it because of you, dear listeners. Oh my um, God, who, yes. Who made it possible. We went for two days in February. Mm-hmm. Which was very smart because it was neither excruciatingly hot nor was it particularly crowded. Mm-hmm. We had, uh, I think that we did this in a very smart way. So we had one day that was like a big, exciting group affair Mm -hmm. um, with uh, the baby Hippogriff and um, Nana Hippogriff. Nana Hippogriff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And our friends, Ramey and Steph, and our friend and Witch Please listener. I guess, I mean, maybe Ramey and Steph listen to Witch Please. I don't know. Did you... Oh, they do. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, and also friend and Florida native Julie, uh, who was our our guide. Mm-hmm. Um, we went as a great big, hilarious, fun crew yeah. on day one, which was absolutely delightful and also meant that we successfully saw very little of the park. Oh, definitely. <laughs> but we had such a gay old time. Emphasis on the gay. Just the biggest, gayest time. Yeah, it was really, really magical. And what you're going to hear in this episode will include some pieces from a pretty cash conversation that um, Marcel and Julia and I recorded that very night. My name is Julie Francis. I am a Florida native. I grew up in Miami. My parents are Cuban, uh, which is very typical of Miami. And because of that, I've been to the park several times and was really excited to go to the parks with the Witch Please crew. We ended up going to the parks together, uh, well, because I've been listening to the podcast for a very long time. Uh, one of my best friends, Bridget Semler, recommended it to me. And I saw you guys in Tufts about a year ago. 
and we met. It was amazing. And <laughs> I let you guys know that, that I'm from Florida and a lot of people from Florida know someone who knows someone who can, you know, get discounted tickets to the parks or like whatever. And that if you ever wanted to come to the parks to hit me up. And then um, in back in June of 2017, I moved uh, to Miami back home. Uh, I was living in Boston at the time that uh, the Tufts lecture happened. And I let you. I told you it was like I moved back to Miami. If you, you know, if you ever want to come to the parks, let me know. And 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 I think you said the GoFundMe uh, project was happening, and that it was very much gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> and and when was a good time to go to the parks? <laughs> and so we just started corresponding about good times, and and here we are in February. It's happening. It's February. It's 80 degrees Fahrenheit <laughs> in Florida. For our lovely British and Canadian listeners, that means it hit over 30 degrees today <laughs> in February, which was baffling. Um, but we just came. We spent uh, a really lovely day at the park. Uh, me and Marcel and Julie and Elliot and Marcel's mom slash Elliot's uh, grandma, Nana, sorry, Elliot's Nana, Christine, as well as some uh, old friends of Marcel's and now of mine, Ramey and Steph, who in fact are from Boston, which is really funny because the time I met them was also that Tufts trip. Um, so it's all, it's a very small world and it all came together really beautifully. Ramey and Steph flew down, Julie drove up and, uh, we had a real ride, just a, just a group party <laughs> at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter today. Uh, I was super drunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like mostly Julie and I sat down to talk about it. And then Marcel would occasionally shout comments from the end of the couch. Like I threw myself drunkenly down on the couch and was like, let me talk about feminism. There is something especially joyful about going to a theme park based on a thing that you really love with a bunch of really like rabid and furious feminists. Mm. It is a really profoundly beautiful and thrilling experience and is a treasure in terms of proving the point that furious, furious, angry, rabid feminists have so much fun and just like love things so deeply. And we are so silly and we are so silly when we're together. And I just, I just wish people could be more cool about feminism because we are so fun. (laughs) We have such a good time. It was so great. (laughs) Which I think is the original spirit of this podcast anyway. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Before one of us got pregnant. Yeah. Actually, it wasn't wasn't before. (laughs) (laughs) He's fine. He's great. He's doing amazing. Um, He's doing amazing. Uh, Yeah. So then on the second day, um, we went back, just you and I, Mm -hmm. and systematically worked our way through the whole park. It was so special. Oh, my God. It was really, really, really special. It was such a great day. (laughs) I loved getting to spend a whole day just with you. It felt like 
an incredible treat and an incredible privilege. My favorite part of that whole day is that there's very little in the park that Marcel and I can eat. Uh, <laughs> so we mostly just ate uh, the like cheap refillable buckets of popcorn. So much popcorn. <laughs> so much popcorn. Um, and then tried to drink enough water to offset the dehydration caused by that popcorn. <laughs> at the end of the day, we exited the park into this like weird mall area like this outdoor mall that has all of these like american mega restaurants mm-hmm. that could seat like four thousand. and we went into this random um mexican restaurant mm-hmm. uh that had a live mariachi band which was just a lot very yeah. overstimulating <laughs> and uh we ordered the veggie fajitas for two because mm-hmm. we're cute oh and then we ordered the uh special guac that's made at your table <laughs> and there's this moment where this lovely young man came over and started to make us fresh guacamole at the table. And Marcel began to weep with sheer joy. Oh my God. It was really just like a good day. It was the best day of my life. Anybody who uh, knows me on Twitter knows that I've recently started taking antidepressants. uh, And that was after about a year Mm. of being in like deep denial that I was actually depressed and this this trip was capped off with this incredibly magical, beautiful excursion with just like my beautiful friends in Harry Potter world. And then this like spectacularly tender, beautiful, magical day with just my beautiful friend Hannah. And it was just a lot. I think that could have been such a different trip if Ramy and Steph and Julie and my mom hadn't been so completely and totally willing to just do whatever so chill just like sure where do you need to go would you like to go here sure let's go over here oh you need to go to the bathroom again okay no problem we'll just wait here don't worry about it and it just made it so cool it just made it so easy (laughs) everybody was just so cool about everything everybody was just like nobody got stressed nobody was trying to like control the shape of the day or impose expectations like everybody just arrived there in this spirit of like let's just have a nice day Mm -hmm. in a fun park with our friends Mm -hmm. and it was like and then it was wow yeah what a magical what a magical two days magical magical magic is real is the magic is real So to sort of try to bring you along on this very magical journey that we went on, Mm -hmm. we are going to talk about what we saw and what we did. And we're going to talk about it in order of how we actually experienced the park. Okay, so let's start in Hogsmeade. We entered Hogsmeade over a bridge and all of a sudden the like steamy jungle of Jurassic Park turned into a snow-capped winter village with a castle looming in the distance. And there's music playing. And there was music, that's right. And we were all of a sudden, like, in Hogsmeade. Something about, like, you want to go into the world, right? You want to be able to put yourself into that world. And part of that immersion that I noticed you noticing a lot today and commenting on a lot today was the music, um, is that something you've noticed a lot before? Is that something you're noticing particular today? I think I've, I've always noticed the music in the parks is, is one because before you get to Harry Potter World, there's a Jurassic Park 
part and like it's John Williams and then John Williams right like the I think the music has always like been something special for me in cinema because I, I also really love Lord of the Rings and the music for Lord of the Rings is really incredible and I think that it's like a nostalgia right like any when you're walking through the parks and you hear the music that you remember from the movies and the movies remind you of your experience of the book it just like all like comes together and this like welling of emotion like when we were in Ollivander's Right. There's like this whole like experience where they kind of recreate that scene from the movie of like Harry getting the wand. But it's like the the actor picks somebody in your group to get this wand. And it's not like there's like a like lighting effects and there's little like cute things happening, like physical things happening in the in the set. But it's really like the music welling up that like like gives you the goosebumps and like makes you tear up a little bit you know so I think that the music is a very powerful thing that they really lean on in the parks I mean it's a little coercive at times but it also just works really well because that score is fucking killer right um I did not real like I just I'm you know I'm dumb and I don't know about things and so I didn't know that they were both the same that Jurassic Park and Harry Potter were the same the score was written by the same person possibly make you dumb you are not a musicologist. I'm not a musicologist. Only Steve is a musicologist. There's only one musicologist. And that's all that's allowed um, on this podcast or in the world. But that moment that was such a, that was like one of my favorite moments today was we passed you know, we passed by Jurassic Park to get to Hogsmeade. And there's this wooden bridge, which is like behind you is the like tropical jungle Jurassic Park with those super iconic electrified fences and like the dun 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 and then there's a wooden bridge and then all of a sudden it's like these old Victorian row houses of Hogsmeade with the snow and the like old metal sort of wrought fence and do, 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 do. and it's like right in between it's just like this short bridge in between them which was like oh would that I could live on this bridge forever <laughs> I love Jurassic Park so much my god oh so exciting they do such an incredible job of creating like an immersive experience um, to a degree that I didn't think would be possible given how many other tourists there are walking around. Mm -hmm. Like you would think all of the park guests would really sort of take something out of it, but Mm -hmm. the quality, I mean, just the quality of like the, the set, the, the buildings, um, the various staff walking around in costume, the music, right? The soundtrack playing as you cross the bridge, the smells, yeah, Julie Julie had given us a, a heads up that it was going to smell incredible, I think. And it did. And it was just stellar. Uh, and one of the first things that happened that was so spectacular was that we were trying to do magic mm-hmm. at one of at one of the mm-hmm. windows. And <laughs> I think it's a testament to like how splendid the park actually mm-hmm. is that I remember this so fondly. We hadn't, we then, didn't have our own wands yet, but Julie had one, no. had two. Julie has two wands right. and had brought them so that we could play with them. That's right. And we were trying to figure out how to do it. And then a man <laughs> came over and tried to explain how to do it. <laughs> and he had no idea what he was talking about. Oh yeah. It was, oh, it wasn't a staff. Was it wasn't just a, a park man. staff no. member. It was, just a man, just some man came over and tried to show us how to do it and was wrong. 
was very wrong. He was actually like giving us instructions like, oh, you need to like look at that thing and do like you need to look for the sensor and point it at the sensor. And and I think that Julie went and got a staff person. And then they came and helped us and showed us how to do it. And then we did magic and the man was wrong. And then we had a good hearty chuckle. (laughs) So... Hogsmeade, um, from what I understand from Julie, this is why she argued for doing it in this direction. And we did things in the opposite direction on the second day. But Hogsmeade was built first. Mm. So Hogsmeade and Hogwarts Castle were the first part of the Wizarding World. And then later on, they built Diagon Alley. Oh, let's talk about the... You want to talk about the rides a little bit? Sure. Because I didn't know that there would be rides. That was a real surprise to me. I feel like for context here, I looked up absolutely nothing. Um, Julie offered to be our guide. It's in keeping with the theme of our podcast. I need to add some context, which is like three minutes ago, Marcel rolled up and is sitting on the end of a the unbelievably long couch in our Airbnb, just like like throwing in some uh, some tips from afar. <laughs> Do you want to sit with us? No, she doesn't. She doesn't. She only wants to... uh... Want to intervene. Yeah, she just wants to intervene from afar. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. It is completely in keeping with the theme of our podcast. No research ever. But it's okay to bring in experts. And so that's what what you're here for. Yeah, you're a Harry Potter park expert. So I was super surprised by the rides. And I was wondering if you could reiterate to people a little bit about the sort of order in which the park the parts of harry potter were built and sort of how that impacted like what the rides are like as well because you kind of have a theory that might just be facts (laughs) what's the difference between a theory and facts really that's my question okay so like i said earlier hogsmeade was built first i don't know if at that point they had had a plan to build diagon alley but Yeah, so Hogsmeade was first. Um, So you can use wands in the park to kind of like do little magical things like make water come out of a fountain or make these little trolls dance, just like all these little things. Um, When Hogsmeade was built, the wands did not do any of that. It was just kind of like a set. There was Honeydukes. There was Zonkos. You can go buy things. And then um, the castle was there. The castle hasn't changed since they opened it. They just kind of like added that wand feature to like the rest of Hogsmeade. And there's one ride in the castle where you're referred to as a muggle, (laughs) which we think, well, so when we go to Diagon Alley, we're referred to as muggle-borns. And there's a lot more like trying to include us as like wizards or witches into the park. I think that's like why they added the wand thing later too. I think there was like maybe a lot of crowdsourcing (laughs) about like, hi, how do you feel about this park? We're going to build another one. Um, So, so yeah, Hogsmeade was definitely like the beta run. um, And then they built Diagon Alley next and it was just like everything you wanted. It's incredible. (laughs) So Hogsmeade is, is comparatively fairly simple. So there's a few different things you have there. There's a sort of small version of a wand shop there where you can mm-hmm. buy a wand but most people recommend holding out to go to Ollivander's in Diagon Alley there's what's the name of the restaurant the is it oh, the three broomsticks God. there or is it the the three it must be the three okay. broomsticks yeah. yeah yeah um which is lovely and big and there's like oh the candy shop right Z- no Sonko's is the joke shop uh Honeydukes yes 
honey dukes um yeah so like the stuff that you you know would encounter in hogsmeade Mm -hmm. and uh some just some sort of touristy like shops where you can buy things Mm -hmm. and then the station for the hogwarts express and of course the castle of course (laughs) we went on the castle ride Mm -hmm. escape from hogwarts (laughs) So the two rides that we went on today were the, I don't, what are they called? The Hogwarts, 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 an adventure, and then Gringotts, an experience. I made up the same. <laughs> Escape from Gringotts. Escape from Gringotts. And Hogwarts, what? The yeah. In the, the ride in the castle. Castle ride. Go. The hardcore fans are that I hope so. God, all I want is to say wrong things and be yelled at on Twitter for them. JK, LOL. And it was... <laughs> so for those of you who haven't gone, um, the whole interior, like if you want to go into Hogwarts, you go on the ride. There's an mm-hmm. option. So there's a whole lot of it where you're just like walking through hallways and like walking past stuff. And there's like... Um, some sort of projected mini scenes that pr- create backstory for what's going to happen on the ride. And, you know, you mm-hmm. pass by. It's like a lot of sort of built sets as you go through. I mean, this is the thing that these theme parks are famous for is like they make the line themselves part of the experience so that as you're standing yeah. in line, you're like, oh, I'm in the greenhouse and now I'm going into like, so you get that part of the experience. Um, and I guess the other nice thing about it is that right up until the point where you would get right onto the ride, people who aren't going to ride can still participate. Mm-hmm. So you can go right up yeah. to there and then there's a part where you can sort of just step off. Um, and that's mm-hmm. good for like people who have small children um, or people who don't like rides or um, who have disabilities. Or as I read all about in Jess Baker's new book, Land Whale, if you are too fat to go on the rides because they oh. also have a size limit. And she has a really incredible chapter where she writes about going to the Wizarding World and being too fat to go on the Wizarding Rides, which I'm kind of delighted I didn't read about until after, because I feel like if I had that in my mind as a possibility, it would have really stressed me out. Yeah, no kidding. Um, But that thing, like that sort of harness thing that locks into place, like that's Mm -hmm. size specific, right? Anyway, so the castle itself is like all kind of part of that ride, but you can see it either way. And it was cool. Mm -hmm. It was really hard to take pictures because it was very dark in there. Yeah, uh, the the fact that there were things to do and look at while in line mm-hmm. was awesome because otherwise, like lines are excruciating. Everybody hates lines, yeah. but the idea of waiting like a hundred and twenty minutes in line for a five minute ride in like I don't know what this would be in Fahrenheit, but like thirty six degree <laughs> steamy steamy florida swamp heat yeah no it's rough uh so the ride itself do you remember the narrative behind the ride itself because they are attempting it's a quidditch match that's what we're being as we go we see various characters talking about the upcoming quidditch match and it's obviously gryffindor versus slytherin and -hmm. it's like who's gonna win the quidditch match and there's like we see different characters it's like sort of projected like holographs of like the actual actors from the movies from what I could tell Mm -hmm. for the most part you know saying like oh this Harry he's a real (laughs) (laughs) up-and-comer it was that's a direct quote (laughs) yeah I mean I took notes it was really interesting that they had so many actors in the park or staff members but nobody 
played any characters. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, which is a really interesting sort of, I think a through line was a reminder of the degree to which the park is based on the movies, not on the mm-hmm. books. And this mm-hmm. this sort of devotion to like, the original actors play the roles of these characters. They are these characters. It would totally um, sort of fuck with that uh, that impression if you just dressed somebody else up like Hagrid. And so you only see projections of the actual characters and everybody who's physically in the park is just like a random winter wizard. Yeah, so the story of the ride was something like something, something Quidditch match. Um, and then we, the players are the players the writers mm-hmm. are muggles that's right um who are visiting hogwarts somehow and yeah. have been called upon to help win the quidditch match does this sound does this sound true this sounds this sounds familiar yeah it's quite hard to follow oh yeah well especially yeah. if you're like busy being thrilled you know yeah <laughs> I can't pay attention to your narrative. <laughs> I'm being thrilled. So yeah, so the idea is that somebody casts, I, I think it's Hermione, casts a spell on you mm. that temporarily lets you fly a broom. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, and so in the ride, you are like supposed to feel like you're on a broom yes. um, flying around. And you're basically like seated. It's a kind of roller coaster-ish thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're seated side by side instead mm-hmm. of facing somebody else which means that there's nobody right in front of you so it's just you looking straight at the various projections Mm -hmm. Um, and then it moves you around as though you're on a broom it just sort of like you're basically in a fairly small amount of space but the combination of the way that the movement works and the sort of projections that they're placing around you gives you a very visceral impression that you are like first flying around the quidditch field and then eventually flying around Hogwarts as a whole. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The way that I think about the shape of the ride that we were on is it mm-hmm. reminds me, reminds me as though I've been there, uh, of the Whomping Willow. Um, yeah. Because you're sort of on a branch being yeah. thrown around, but you're not, you're always anchored in mm-hmm. place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It definitely made me feel a little nauseous mm-hmm. um, in a way that the, the Gringotts bank ride didn't make me feel nauseous Mm -hmm. and I think it was um in part because like in the Gringotts bank we'll talk about this more but you're like on a roller coaster and so it's like you can see the car in front of you right and there's more of a physical real physical anchor but in um Hogwarts castle like there's the the you know seat that you're on but there's nothing in front of you to look at that's real Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and so it gave me a little bit more sort of vertigo um but that was kind of exciting yeah yeah like you're swooping around wildly it's like kind of thrilling yeah i definitely preferred the hogwarts ride to the gringotts ride interesting i found it i found it more fun so the rides are surprisingly not surprisingly just similar which is what you, Julie, described as a combination of like a traditional ride in simulation. And I was like, what does that mean? And you were like, oh, wait and see, <laughs> which was very coy. Um, but what that means is that like you're strapped into a thing. There were like these big screens in front of you that were sort of producing um, both physical and psychological effects. Yeah. It is too... Yeah, please take this away. So... (laughs) (laughs) Emotional? Emotional. 
Uh, from so from what I understand, Universal has like patented the way these rides work. There's like a special screen, the way like it's half roller coaster, half simulation ride. Um, when you go to Disney, when you go to Busch Gardens, any of them, they don't have that technology. And that's one of the reasons why you're not allowed to bring like uh, f- cameras or any of those things on the ride. Like specifically, it's not just like, oh, don't bring items because you're going to lose them. It's like, do not bring a camera. Do not record this. Like because it's it's like coveted technology, <laughs> like within like the theme park realm. So, yeah, it's, it is kind of like a special experience. It's hard to describe if you haven't been there. Uh, because you can't it's not really anywhere else but yeah you do it's like the the ride is in the castle it doesn't go like outside so we when you're going into the park you kind of pass the hulk which is a big roller coaster like it's huge you see it happening like you see people riding it when you do you would not know that there's a ride inside the castle just walking by it so how they managed to make that work is beyond me and part of the magic of the parks, right? But yeah, so you, you kind of like move through the space, but like not too far outside of the space. So yeah, it's like half roller coaster, half simulation. Sometimes you're moving, sometimes it's just a screen. Marcel has something to add. <laughs> Do I want to join you? Oh. No, I just want to interject from afar. <laughs> And when you were describing it, Julie, what struck me was the fact that the way that you described the secret rides inside these structures mirrors the way that there's like a secret wizarding world hidden inside of the muggle world and how just looking at the outside, you'd be like, that's a weird looking building. Well, whatever's in there is probably nothing to think about. But yet, but yet you go inside and there's adventure and magic. That's all I wanted to say. Well, now that you're back, let's get on the Hogwarts Express and go to Diagon Alley. Yeah, we're doing it. Undoubtedly the best part. (laughs) Woo-hoo! All aboard, etc. Undoubtedly the best part of the Hogwarts Express on day one was Elliot's Delight. I know he just Ugh. like he loves he loves methods of transportation so much <laughs> sure and was so excited about what he calls the go train. He he, I don't know why it is that he calls them go trains and not choo choo trains. It's not an Ontario thing because we don't live in Ontario. He just refers to go trains. He just refers to all manner of trains <laughs> as go trains. Yeah. That's it's oh. very cute. So he was really stoked for the Hogwarts Go Train, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as were we all. And it's wonderful because it is an actual train. Yeah. Like it comes up to you like you wait at the station and then the train comes up and it looks like the Hogwarts Express and you get on it and you sit in the little compartments um, Mm -hmm. with little seats that face each other and there's, you know, like the luggage rack and like they really there's so much attention to detail in every part of the park. Yeah. And then as the train is like physically relocating you from uh, Hogsmeade to Diagon Alley, there's projections again, sort of images on the windows um, on both sides. So you've got sort of the window looking out and then the window into the aisle. Mm-hmm. And in the window into the aisle, you'll have like sort of silhouettes of characters doing stuff and having conversations and then in the window out there'll be sort of stuff happening in the English countryside um, (laughs) that obscures the actual uh, probably like Florida parking lot that you're passing by. (laughs) 
yeah, so we got off in Diagon Alley. I loved Diagon Alley. Or rather, technically, we get off in Platform 9 and 3 quarters. That's right. Oh, And yeah. you emerge into London. Mm-hmm. Because that is accurate. Yeah, no, I think the exit's actually out of King's Cross Station. So it's part of the, like, London uh, corner in the main park, which has all of this London stuff and has the night bus. And then if you want to walk into Diagon Alley, you do so through the, like, cool illusion brick wall. Yeah, so the night bus is there. Yes. Also to the great delight of Elliot. Oh, my God. Hannah bought him a little miniature night bus, and uh, he calls it his purple double-decker bus. (laughs) And and he knows that it's called the night bus, and this has helped him to realize that there are names for things, but that but that the name of things is not necessarily the same as its proper name. And so he'll often say, like, what's this bus called? He'll say, oh, it's the night bus. Does he ever ask what, like, a city bus is called? No, but he'll ask, like, other things. Like, what's this, what's the sheet called? Like, it's a, it's a bed sheet. Oh. This one's, it's Henry. It's Henry. This is Henry, the bed sheet. He names everything Humdi because Humdi is the name of his friend who changed daycares and... He misses Humdi and names everything Humdi. No, that story's sad. It's, it's too sad. It's profoundly it sad. sad. That's the saddest story I've ever heard. I miss you, Humdi. <sighs> anyway. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, so you merge into London. And there, that's kind of cool because it's part of the park that's like a bunch of different major cities. Like there's a London and a New York. And mm-hmm. um, so you're like in the park's actual London, but the park's actual London leads into Diagon Alley. Yeah. Just sort of thinking back to like the point that Marcel just made about like the way that the that the Harry Potter world is both like part of Universal but also kind of hidden, which is really interesting. And a point you made, Julie, was that the castle is built in such a way that like they really control how and when you see it. So it's like not really visible most of the time when you're walking around the rest of the park and you have to like come upon it and like it rises up above you and it's this really clear attempt to sort of give you that magical experience of like when you're on the Hogwarts Express and the castle comes into view and it's like oh the castle which is so comparable to the climax of the studio tour in London which is the final piece of it is the scale model of Hogwarts that is the, like their shooting model so it's like the one complete actual version of hogwarts that was used for like all overhead shots that's like three stories high full scale hogwarts and they the like the whole thing is like designed around producing for you the moment of walking in and seeing it and like how important those moments are and like there's a very similar moment in how you like find diagon alley yeah yeah they have these brick walls that are layered such that you can't see it until you can see it and so it still produces for you there's a kitty in the backyard oh cancel everything it's a kitty i had little white feet and a stripy tail it's to the right go get it go get that kitty god damn it julie Yeah, like producing those moments, the like possibility of reproducing for you those exciting moments of like stumbling upon things is like seems to be so much a part of the 
design of like how the world is built and how it's built in relation to the rest of Universal Studios. Is that where we were? Studios and Islands of Adventure. Oh, Islands of Adventure. My God. Hogsmeade is in Islands of Adventure, and then Diagon Alley is in Studios. And that's why we had to take a train, the Hogwarts Express, between Islands of Adventure and Studios. So the train was real, but the elevator was fake. So I'm again interjecting from afar. I, when we got out of the train, was like, that was a pretend train ride. We obviously just went from like one end of this track to the other end of this track along the same platform but that's that's not true it's just that we weren't allowed to look outside because outside isn't actually the journey from one to the other but it was real unlike the elevator yeah we were definitely moving from one part of the park to another part of the park oh my god (laughs) that blows my mind more than the elevator not being it to learn that the train was real blows my mind more than learning that the elevator was fake and there you have the fundamental difference between me and marcel i just i believe in things Pisces. i don't even know what that means yeah and so it's through this brick wall that i had had i was super curious about how they were going to make the magic wall that leads into diagon alley work Mm -hmm. but it was just an illusion wall but fucking diagon alley Oh my god. Amazing. Oh my god, it's so good. Oh my god. I just want to hang out there all the time. It smelled good. There is a dragon that breathes fire on like the quarter hour. It's, it's on top of Gringotts yeah. and it's like huge and the fire that it breathes is so hot you can feel it below on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, so Diagon Alley is like, it's a series of shops, just like Diagon Alley itself is. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've done a really great job of also making it a series of experiences that are available mm-hmm. um, in all kinds of different ways. So there's the Ollivanders has like a little sort of experience where somebody gets chosen and gets to go through the like, you know, having their wand choose them kind That's of experience. Right. Um, then there's the Gringotts ride built in. There's the dragon that breathes fire. Mm-hmm. Um, there's musical sh- acts that happen. That's right. Yes. And there's uh, Florian Fortescue's ice cream shop, which mm-hmm. doesn't have any vegan ice cream. No, it sure doesn't. That's fine. I drank pumpkin juice. It was weird. It tasted like pumpkin. It was a bit disappointing. I think that they could have had like a sorbet. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, and then there's, you know, a like an outdoor place where you could just like buy a beer and hang out. Mm-hmm. Um I think there was a rest there was also a restaurant there. The the, um, the three broomsticks is it was, or sorry, not the other one. The, the boars? The leaky cauldron. Leaky cauldron. Okay, thank God. <laughs> Maybe. Ooh. Who knows? Um, it's been a long just, time since we've read the books, people. Yeah. Years. It's been years. Yeah, so like, you know, you can get food, you can get ice cream, there's other fun little shops that you can go into, and there's, you know, clothes and magical creature shop where you can buy stuffed toys. There's also the, um, we didn't actually, on our first day, we didn't even get a chance to go into Weasley Wizard Wheezes. Weasley's Wizarding Wheezes. Yeah. Fucking amazing. Such a great shop. Yeah. Amazing. But we went in on day two, and Mm -hmm. on day two is also when we got a chance to go into uh, what's the the scary part of Nocturne Alley? Alley. Nocturne Nocturne Alley. Alley. Yeah. Which is 
um, of course, nocturnally. Mm-hmm. God damn it. Uh, which is colder. Oh, very, very. They yes. made it colder. It's fucking brilliant. But, we'll- but those are, I guess, the like main thing that we did on day one was go into Gringotts Bank. Mm-hmm. So, okay, <laughs> when you uh, ride the Gringotts ride, um, Escape from Gringotts. <laughs> TM. <laughs> you um okay, so you enter through Green Gods and the whole the line is like in the bank and like you get to see like little animatronic goblins, which I'm sure like we'll talk we'll have a conversation about later. <laughs> and kind of like there's like a whole I don't know, like processing you into the bank. Um so there's a lot of foreshadowing where they tell you like the situation of like where like what you're about to enter into and then you're like uh, herded into what looks like an elevator and what really happens is like you and like a group of people like go into this elevator right the door closes behind you and then it looks like you're going down a ton of floors and like the the floor of the elevator starts moving there's like video on the side of the elevator that like makes it look like you're going down but really you're just in a room with a floor that's moving and then the other side when you're done you get to the floor you want to be on theoretically the other side of the door opens and then you you go onto the ride so so really you've just been in a room the whole time and the floor is moving and like other things are happening but it feels like you've gone down a bunch of floors like they've really perfected the art of simulating what so many things feel like i thought we went down it, it a thousand percent felt like we were going down. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it super felt like we were going down, and I definitely thought we were going in down, and it wasn't until you were describing this to Marcel's mom that I was like, oh, yeah, that makes more sense, <laughs> I guess, than just a bunch of extra space. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. So that was pretty cool because you actually, like, so you're in the bank itself and there are goblins and that's something. Oh my um, God. Do we want to talk about the goblins now or do we want to talk about the goblins maybe, later? Maybe we might as well talk about them now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. then I guess Marcel. Oh. So I don't even, I got to be honest. I don't even... I don't even have words for how weird it is to have seen those goblins uh, so close in a mm-hmm. bank wearing their banking suits mm-hmm. um, with their long hooked noses and yeah. pointy ears and claws counting money. And I remember thinking the last time I went, I had started listening to the podcast and I was like, I wonder what Hannah and Marcel would think of this. And it's so great to actually go with you guys and hear what you think of it. (laughs) So yeah, so there's like the representation of the goblins in the way that the wizards treat the goblins in like the kind of like foreshadowing before you go into the ride. So before you go into the ride, there's like a little like holographic video scene, the Gringotts ride, sorry, um, with uh, Bill Weasley talking to a goblin and just like treating the goblin like a, a child almost. Like he like takes the keys from the desk and like like waves them above the goblin's head and the goblin is trying to like reach for them. Just like talking to the goblin like he's an idiot, which just really struck me as problematic. 
the first time I saw it and also the second time I saw it and like every time after that. So So all of goblins featured prominently. There was like a money trading. It wasn't called a money lending shop. Money exchange. That was like wink. There's a money lender. Marcel, make your joke and I <laughs> will give you the mic so you Shylock's Emporium, as Marcel called it, um, that has an animatronic goblin in it. And then when you go into Gringotts, it's a whole row of animatronic goblins on either side of you. And then eventually a goblin that is like an actor in prosthetics that's not there in real life, but is acting alongside Bill Weasley in um, holograms, holographs, Hollywood, Hollywood, hologram. Techno future. It wasn't a film. It was like three degrees, three dimensions. To see up close the like intensity of the anti-Semitic sort of parodic nature of these creatures that are then further dehumanized by the fact that the park has decided to literally not have them be people Mm -hmm. um, is really is really intense so that they are just these sort of machinic extensions of the park mm-hmm. and of the bank in particular. Yeah. And like the solution to this as a problem isn't to hire Semitic looking people to play the goblins. To play the bankers. To play the bankers. <sighs> the solution is to not draw on like vicious and aggressive racial stereotypes when you create characters. <laughs> that's that's the solution. It's a really good solution. Yeah. Lots of problems in the world do not have good solutions, but that one does. Oh, thank you. You did it. I did it. Um, yeah. So you walk right through Gringotts and you've got, you know, the goblins up at their sort of high desks mm-hmm. um, doing their doing their banking. And you're in this sort of marble, very, you know, it's very fancy. It's very opulent. It's got golden chandeliers and shit. Mm-hmm. And then you go through and you go into like sort of behind the scenes, right? Like you That's go right. into the more dungeony part of of Gringotts. And the backstory, literally all I can remember is you're trying to get some gold out or something. But also there's bad guys here, maybe? Hard to say. Yeah, you gotta like run. Because <laughs> <laughs> and and then we're on because it's a sort of roller coaster-esque type of ride we mm-hmm. like we're it's like the cart right the mine yeah, shaft, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine shaft exactly cart. yeah it makes a lot of sense to me for as a ride design because the mine shaft cart is already a lot like a roller coaster in the way it's mm-hmm. represented in the movie so it makes perfect sense to have turned it into a roller coaster yeah and so it is a roller coaster but it's a relatively the ride is designed very similarly to hogwarts castle so it's mm-hmm. a a sort of relatively simple roller coaster and you don't go outside of the castle you sort of are on this track and then interacting with like holographs and shit Mm -hmm. that's around you that's right yeah though both of the rides do have like there's a part of the hogwarts uh escape from hogwarts castle is that what we decided it's called (laughs) escape from hogwarts castle and escape from cricket's bank (laughs) okay just escaping escape everything yeah but yeah the hogwarts castle one like you get sprayed with water at some point that's right and in the Gringotts Bank, there's a dragon in the bank that you're mm-hmm. escaping from. And, like, the fire is hot. Yes. So, like, there are sort of those added, like, sensations built mm-hmm. into the ride. 
Yeah, but basically, like, Voldemort and... Um, Bellatrix Bellatrix are, yeah, are breaking into Gringotts while you're there. And Bill Weasley is, like, fighting them off. And, like, you're basically trying to avoid getting hurt by them. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, so, so the reason why I found the Gringotts ride less enjoyable than... You put off by the anti-Semitism? I mean, maybe it just put me in a mood. Who knows? But I just, I felt like that ride did a lot of stopping and watching a film. Mm, Do you know what I mean? Good point. Yeah. So like, so like the Hogwarts one, even even when you're sort of like being called a, a muggle by Draco Malfoy, you're still sort of, you're still being like shaken around. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, you're in the mine cart and then all of a sudden you stop and you watch a movie mm-hmm. for 30 seconds and then you go again and then you mm-hmm. stop and you watch a movie for 30 seconds and then you go again. And I was like, are we on a ride or are we watching a movie? Like, which is it? <laughs> Make up your mind. Maybe that's why I like, I liked Gringotts Bank a little bit more and I think it's because there were little breaks that made me less uh, nauseous. Uh-huh. <laughs> See, there's something for everyone. Something for everyone. Just depending (laughs) on your queasiness level. (laughs) I had a thought and it was about immersion and fandom. Oh, you know what it was about? It was this and the Wizarding World and the studio tour are all about the movies. And that's not surprising because the movies visually branded the world in a way that the books didn't. And so when you're producing a theme park, like those visual brands are there available for you to sort of give people the sense of immersion. But I would be really curious what either or both of you imagine a book-based theme park or experience might look like. Like, how would that be different if it was based on the world of the books rather than the world of the movies? Honestly, that's really hard to imagine because I feel like maybe... The visual aspect of the movies is what unifies our experience of Harry Potter visually. You know, like we all see the castle and we all know it's the castle. Whereas like if I drew the castle and you drew the castle and Hannah drew the castle without any sort of like reference to the movie castle, we it would be three different castles. Totally. You know, whereas, like, we all see this castle in Hogsmeade, we know that's Hogwarts. Mm -hmm. So I think that um, the movies kind of, like, uniformed the experience for us visually and even auditorially, sonically. I don't know what the right word is. Um, Sonically. Um, Leftover (laughs) garbage wine from the resort. We're drinking we're drinking cupcake Sauvignon Blanc and leftover garbage wine from, from, Disney, World. from Disney World, which we cannot talk about in the same <laughs> sentence as Universal. They're gonna come after us. <laughs> TM. Everything is TM. Don't sue us. Does that make sense? That like that that it creates maybe like a vi- the movies created a visual language for us to interpret the the Harry Potter world. So I I totally agree with you. I also think that um like and we've we've talked about the casting and race a number of times, and I think that we can all agree that that was not done well. But the setting was done beautifully, and being at Universal's for lack of a maybe more accurate term. Uh, physical manifestation <laughs> of its movies <laughs> yeah. was like incredible like I after <laughs> so I was at another theme park 
that is that shall not be named. I was at the theme park that shall not be named for several days uh, before coming to this one. And my takeaway experience from the whole thing has been that movie studios know how to make a goddamn theme park in a way that things that are not movie studios don't know how to make. Like, like the like rides. Rides aside, I'm not talking about rides in the like thrill experience, but in terms of the way in which you feel like you are part of that world is uh, TM. TM is uh, <laughs> yes. It's just somebody knocking on your door, handing you an envelope and saying, you've been served. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know how I'm ever going to go back to like a non-movie studio theme park. Back to the shitty real world. <laughs> back to the like, trash real world. I've never almost cried for out of joy so many times in such a short span of time before my entire life. Like even like I love my I love Elliot more than anything in the entire world. And having him was like a literally life changing emotional experience on every possible way. But I didn't like you know what? Maybe I did. I probably did. Whatever. So I would compare the last five days of going to film studio created theme parks that I feel very emotionally attached to as being akin to having a baby (laughs) in terms of the emotional ups and downs and the like incredible impact of feeling like there's still hope and goodness in the world. The bank stuff was weird. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was weird, and it's it's built into the to the world of the books and the movies itself. So like you obviously, it's not like the park invented this shit, but mm-hmm. being immersed in it and being up close and personal with the goblin characters was definitely a like a an experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When you were more soberly talking with Julie than me, mm-hmm. do we know if the park is planning to build any extensions? Like, will there be more rides in the future? Because I remember being surprised that there were so few. I believe so. Julie was saying that there had originally been a third ride that was called the Dueling Dragons mm. that I think maybe predated even Hogsmeade hmm. and was so was already built as a roller coaster that you're on one of two different sides and the roller coasters like come at each other ah! and that they kept as a like oh this makes sense within the Wizarding World context it's about dragons um, but they have closed that ride down and my hmm. understanding is that they are building a new ride let me just google this right now Ooh, research Rogue. Which please goes rogue. Which please goes rogue. New ride on the way for the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. A new attraction will be added to the Hogsmeade section of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and is set to be one of the, <clears throat> quote, most highly themed coaster experiences. What is that? <laughs> this ride will replace uh, Hogsmeade's Dragon Challenge, a double roller coaster experience. God, calling things experiences. I know I already called things experiences, but it's really fucked up. It's, yeah. um, it's coming this fall. Ooh. It's being described as a new generation of thrill ride. It will feature a new level of storytelling during the experience. It means they're going to stop and make you watch movies <laughs> for sure. 
Well, yeah. we'll have to go back. It will feature Wizarding World characters and creatures and, quote, a few surprises along the way. Ooh. Yeah. So they are building, they are building a new one. But in general, that, I mean, the park as a whole, like Universal Studios is not, it's not Six Flags. Like you're not there for the rides. There are right. a few rides in each of the different areas, but like it's mostly sort of sets and cool stuff and street shows and Mm -hmm. you know shops and like it's mostly that kind of stuff with Mm -hmm. like the occasional ride if you feel like it yeah which is kind of cool because like if you are there and don't like rides there's still so much Mm -hmm. to do yeah definitely like i had never been to a theme park before i'd been to a number of amusement parks Mm -hmm. and i'm a big fan of amusement parks Mm. love Um, to be amused i love it i love amusement but I also, it turns out, love themes. I just, I know we've already talked about this, but like I, as the ironic, joyless, millennial feminist mm. that I am, mm-hmm. I don't like things. Like I was just, I was really, I was, that's not true about me as a person at all. But like, I just, like I thought it would require some sort of a deliberate suspension of of my own innate suspicion and irony Mm -hmm. and like obviously you know we've we've hit on a few moments that stopped us up but Mm -hmm. for the most part I was just along for the ride like I was just so I was like this is delightful I love everything yeah I've I've never I've never been on vacation somewhere before and had such a profound desire to return before I'd even Mm. left yeah I'd go back yeah all I could think about the whole time I was there was I can't wait to come back I can't Wait. That's great. I really want to go to Disney World now. Oh my god, Hannah. Yeah. You will love it. Let's go. Let's go. Me too You'll there. love it. So that was about the end of our first day there. Mm-hmm. Um, we were coming on park closing time. I think we actually stayed until the park closed. We did, yeah. Yeah, they kicked us out of Diagon Alley. We did not have the chance to go into Nocturne Alley that day, mm-hmm. um, which was part of why we we hadn't been totally sure if we would go back the next day. But we were mm-hmm. like, okay, we literally missed stuff. So. Yeah. so we headed out that first day and decided to go back, just you and I, mm-hmm. on day two. day two we also made the decision that we didn't redo either of the rides that's right we decided to just really spend as much time as we wanted in the actual sort of spaces and in all the shops Mm -hmm. and day two we also decided to start with diagon alley that's right and do do sort of that direction of the journey instead yeah. And I remember as we were walking through the park, we were observing how all of the different areas are kind of laid out mm-hmm. and how I don't remember exactly like the phrasing that we used, but how sort of naturalized it was mm. because it was sort of like the city areas. So there's the like San Francisco area and the Boston area and the mm-hmm. London area and then in as part of the London area yeah, is the entrance into Diagon Alley and how like just convincing it was that Mm -hmm. all of these like completely different franchises are like mushed together, but in a way that 
doesn't feel weird. Yeah, it's really well done. And I think part of it is that not everything is a franchise area. So there's like Mm -hmm. the Marvel area and the Jurassic Park area and the Seuss area and the Simpsons area. Oh my God, the Simpsons area was so good. It was amazing. This isn't a Simpsons podcast. Um, Uh, Which please goes rogue. (laughs) Which please goes rogue. I love the Simpsons. But uh, like those were broken up with like less themed like not sort of specific properties, but like those sort of cityscapes. Mm-hmm. So that sort of helped to to bridge your movement from mm-hmm. one area to the next so that it did feel like natural. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. sort of these striking like, and now you exit this and enter this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, day two of Diagon Alley, we spent like a ton of time in Diagon Alley. Mm-hmm. We had already bought, we bought wands on day mm-hmm. one. I bought uh, Tonks's wand. I bought one of the Ollivander's creations mm-hmm. wands. Um, and I honestly can't remember if it's Holly or Hazel. It's impossible to say. I feel like it was Hazel, but... Could be. I took a picture, but yeah. because I took so many pictures, it is lost in my Google Photos. Somewhere. Somewhere in there. But they're both the wands that have the little sort of sensors on the end mm-hmm. that allow you to do the magic in the parks. That's so right. for those of you who haven't been, we already alluded to this, but for those of you who haven't been all over the wizarding world, there are these little sort of brass plaques embedded in the ground that tell you that this is a place where you can do a magic spell. And it tells mm-hmm. you what the spell is and what the wand motion is. Mm-hmm. And pretty much throughout what you're doing is like pointing into a shop window or like at a prop or something that you can make do something Mm -hmm. by doing the correct wand motion. I fucking loved this. Yeah. I loved it so much. I waited in line. You were very good at it. Thank you. I waited in line between (laughs) a lot of small children. (laughs) I was like, yep, I'm next. Hi, I'm an adult. Let me do this magic. And all of a sudden, here you are living the like Wingardium Leviosa scene where you're like trying to get your wand movement right over and over and over again and it's not working it's not working it's not working and suddenly it works and that is the thing like if it worked easily the first time I think it would be less satisfying I think it would feel more like turning a tv on it's the like no that wasn't it no that wasn't it no that no that was oh my god i just turned lights on i'm an actual wizard jesus fucking christ i think that's what makes it like so exciting to do magic with your wands do you remember the one in nocturne alley where we had to like point it at a door and it Mm -hmm. oh and it unlocked the door yeah okay so I had seen a bunch of kids do this mm-hmm. and I had seen what happens mm-hmm. multiple times. Yeah. And then Hannah went to do it and unlocked the door. And then Hannah looked at me and said, well, should we open it? You open it. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, OK. And then I went to open it, but we were too late and had locked again. And so then I did the magic uh-huh. and I unlocked the door And again, I need to emphasize this. I had already seen like half a dozen children do this. And I went to open the door and it spit steam at me. And I screamed because even though I had seen it like six times, I was so, if you will, immersed in the Mm -hmm. experience that I forgot what was going to (laughs) happen. 
<laughs> it scared the crap out of me. It just like it's such a comparatively simple design thing to like mm-hmm. you just like you have to move the wand in a particular way. But it felt fucking real, dude. Yeah. So we went around and sort of dutifully did like I think all of the all of the mm-hmm. options in Diagon Alley. Um yeah. spent some time in Nocturne Alley, mm-hmm. which is where that scary opening door that his steam at you was mm-hmm. and what's the name of the shop in nocturne alley oh um borgen and burks yeah bergen and burks <laughs> where you could buy like cool stuff and also unfortunately a lot of versions of that shrunken head oh yeah yeah that oh, racist God. shrunken head which talks at the bus so oh. the night bus. Oh my I god, forgot. I forgot about that. Yeah, and I think I can't remember it was uh it was the person at the little souvenir shop beside the night bus who had pointed out to me that you could you could also get little shrunken heads there and mm-hmm. I said to be honest those make me pretty uncomfortable and she said better save them for someone else then and I was like okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I forgot about this, but the night bus, you can line up and have a picture taken in front of it with the sort of Stan Shunpike and the shrunken head. And the shrunken mm-hmm. head's another animatronic. And there's a, obviously a guy somewhere, probably inside the bus, mm-hmm. who is like doing the voice of the shrunken head and That's can right. like, will like interact with the guests and like mm-hmm. say their name and, and make funny comments about people. And it was very uncomfortable. It was uh, not very cool so uh nocturne alley was otherwise great it was very Mm -hmm. spooky and there were fun spooky things you could buy and fun spooky spells you could do Mm -hmm. um this day two was when we saw the um (gasps) seraphine celestina Celestina warback no celestina witchback (laughs) witchback Celestina Warbeck. I googled Molly Weasley's favorite singer. Oh. Because it was her. Who was like this great sort of crooner character Mm -hmm. um, in a very, very beautiful dress with three backup dancers and singers. I I very distinctly remember like the show started and you were still getting us drinks, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I sort of stood and watched and you came over and you like put your hand on my arm and we're like, she's black. Yeah. Like, to see the park create a version of the Wizarding World that is less, almost entirely white-dominated than the movies are, was really wonderful. Um, Yeah. Including just the employees at the park. Yeah. And it really, like, it was this incredible moment of, like, this isn't hard. This isn't hard to do. So fucking easy. Yeah. I, I, I just, like, I was so... She was so good. And I was so enchanted... And I remember, like, reading the books, again, because they're, you know, more or less from Harry's point of view, it's hard to really see what is enticing about the singer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of framed as a, like, like schlocky thing that you have to kind of put up with yeah, in order like, to have like a family. Yeah, it's like mom music, right? Yeah. It's like, ugh, my mom likes this dumb mom music. Yeah. yeah. And then being there, I was like, oh, my God, she's so talented. She's so talented and she's so beautiful and she's so glamorous. And it definitely, I was like, oh, 
there is no way that Molly Weasley doesn't like totally have a crush on Celestina Warbeck. Like yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Celestina Warbeck was absolutely incredible. Um, mm-hmm. As was the Weasley's Wizarding Weezes shop. Oh my God. So it smelled slightly different from the rest of the park. It did. It had a like particularly spicy, like floral kind of spicy scent to it that I've never wanted to bottle a scent before in my entire life. I can still smell it. Yeah. Like it was, it was amazing. And I, and I, I asked, can I, do you have anything that smells like this? And they were like, no, we're sorry. Like, honestly, if they sold scented candles that smelled like that store, I would have, I would have given them all of my money. Uh huh. Take all of my money. I just want to smell this every day forever. Yep. It was incredible. I didn't. Yep. I I bought a shirt and didn't want to wash it because it smelled so much like the store. Eventually, Gosh. it just stunk like me, so I had to wash it. <laughs> I've got my my own stink in it. I don't smell very good. Yeah, you I smell lovely. You also mm. smell like spicy roses. Mm. Um. Yeah, it smelled amazing and everything it was the place that i came the closest to buying a lot of very silly stuff Mm -hmm. yeah so diagon alley was just full like it was full of stuff to do and while a lot of those things were sort of monetizable like you can have the wand experience and then buy a wand you can go into wizardly (laughs) weasley's wizarding weasels and then buy a thing in there Mm -hmm. um it still didn't feel like i bought all my i bought a wand and nothing else Hmm. and still had a really wonderful time just like looking at all of the things like yeah like because everything is set up well and the shops are like still really lovely and immersive and have other props and stuff in them that aren't just for buying mm-hmm. we tried fire whiskey mm-hmm. and butter beer yep and i had dragon ale oh that's right mm-hmm. yes yeah i tried all of the exciting things so having really thoroughly and exhaustively looked at everything that there was to look at and experience and touch and smell in Diagon Alley, we uh, hopped back on the Hogwarts Express. That's right. We went back to Hogwarts. And it is a different, it's the same sort of like you have to exit back into the London part and then go in through King's Cross. So we got the experience of like lining up at King's Cross and that was all very cool. Oh, mm. and the part where you go through platform <gasps> nine and three quarters. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. They've set up this like really cool screen. So it's so cool. They have this, it's sort of like a trick of mirrors kind of thing mm-hmm. where you you walk and uh i don't even know how to describe it using words you just walk and you disappear yeah so it's from like the thing that it's not something that you experience it's something that other people can see happening so That's when you right. are doing it you are just walking through a doorway but if you are standing watching people um they've set it up so that you can see everybody walk through the wall yeah. And and you can sort of take pictures and videos of it that work yeah. that work very well. Um, yeah. and we spent a really long time trying oh to get God, a really so good long. video of us going through that wall. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I totally forgot about that part. That was like really exciting, mm-hmm. you know, and then you sort of emerge out the other side and there's the Hogwarts Express waiting for you steaming and and all thrilling yeah. with, uh, 
you know, owls around, not real owls, obviously, animatronic mm. owls, but um, owls and piles of, of luggage sitting around and all of that. And then you get back yeah. on the train and you have a different little sort of narrative play out mm-hmm. from within your compartment. Um, and then you eventually re-emerge into Hogsmeade. Mm-hmm. And then we went to Honeydukes and yep. bought a bunch of treats. Bought some some fun Honeydukes treats. Yeah, so we that's where we ended our journey, back at Hogsmeade, mm-hmm. purchasing various exciting candies and just making sure that we had seen everything we wanted to see and done every every spell that we wanted to do and really just, you know, sucked all the juice out of this experience. Yeah. I would have spent the rest of my life there if I could have. I honest to God, like, I think the only thing that I would really like to see changed that would make it possible for me to like go and hang out there every single day mm-hmm. is more food options. Definitely. Just yeah. couldn't just couldn't eat anything. I was very hungry by the end of the day. Yeah. Oh, and do you remember a sister up with a fucking veggie burger? Come on. It uh, it poured rain mm-hmm. on the second day that we were there. And the upside to this was that it really cleared out the park. Mm. Um, and so we were able to go on the Hulk roller coaster. Yeah. <laughs> we only had to wait 20 minutes, but we spent like 45 minutes getting in and out of line because I kept trying to bring things <laughs> to the ride that I wasn't allowed to bring on like my phone and my wallet and oh my god Uh, yeah yeah we had trouble with that but we did successfully go on the Hulk themed roller coaster which was very fun very fun it was delightful I think that was the last thing we did before eating food yeah I think that we sort of did that and then took a quick detour through um Seuss land or whatever it's called Mm -hmm. um and then went and got ourselves some goddamn fajitas and they were joy so (laughs) so final thoughts on uh on your wizarding world experience so final thoughts everybody experience favorite thing general takeaway what you loved etc i mean personally it was just really great to spend the day with you two and (laughs) i had heard that after being at disney tm the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, also TM, would be less impressive. That, like, Disney is a well-oiled machine in a way that Universal TM is not. And I would say that that's probably probably true in ways. But it still, like, filled me with joy in a way that happened irrespective of the uh, oiliness of the machine. It was just like, it was so detailed and it was so carefully crafted and it was so clearly designed with the same intention to like make you feel like you were there and to make you feel like you were in the the world. It's been, it's been an emotional five days for me uh, in terms of like, you know, feeling like there's good in the world and that magic is real and. And there's, <laughs> and there's something about being there with a with a two year old, where they're just like, "That's a dragon," like, "Yes, it is." That's a, there's a dragon there. Yeah, like my favorite part was literally being there, mm-hmm. like being in that space and wishing that I could be there for for forever. 
was just a very, um, if you will pardon the phrase, magical experience. (laughs) I have had a real rough couple of months and this was, I mean, I was worried. I had been worried in the week leading up to this park visit that I would not be up to it. And I was worried because I have been sleeping badly and I have been really busy and stressed. And then I just organized a conference that ended on Sunday. That was a really emotionally intense conference and then flew a red eye from Vancouver to Orlando that involved me getting like five hours of the kind of patchy sleep that you get on a flight and was like, assumed that I would get here and just be like grumpy and not in the mood. But instead what happened is I like got to go to this really magical place that like totally took me out of everything that has been really shitty for the past couple of months and was just like, just so delightful and so happy and so like not thoughtless and stupid in the way of like, I'm burnt out. So I'm going to spend this whole day lying on the couch watching shitty TV where like you kind of hate yourself at the end of the day, but like invigorating, like you come out of it feeling like, like there is good in the world and I feel happy and there's, and there's like beautiful stories and beautiful worlds and ideas that I get to share with friends and, and that make us collectively happy and that bring us closer together. And that's, like a really, really nice thing to be reminded of right now when things can feel really dark sometimes. So I expect our check in the mail, Universal Studios TM. (laughs) The end. Turning it off. Oh my God. Uh, Final thoughts. Like I'm just so, I'm so truly, madly, deeply grateful to have gone. Um, It was even better than I thought it was going to be. I went in with like, I tried to go in with like pretty low expectations, mainly because depression Mm -hmm. uh, is real. And I had low expectations of everything, (laughs) including myself. And I just had such a great time. Mm -hmm. It was just so wonderful. So I would say if you are thinking about going, and you aren't sure if you'll have a good time, uh, go, go. <laughs> this this ad paid for you by the friends of the Harry Potter Institute. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was amazing. Um, oh, you know what? So maybe one thing that one thing that sort of lingers with me is, I like I obviously love my child so much. I had a better time there mm-hmm. without him because I think that uh, the Harry, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter is not well designed for children for like young young children there's not a lot to do when you are a toddler and so Mm -hmm. much of the pleasure of the world is the fact that you're there you know in the wizarding world um which if you are not old Mm -hmm. enough to have read the books or enjoyed the movies is meaningless to you (laughs) so so yeah definitely sort of an older kid experience but not so much like I will say if you are an adult and have been holding out on going because you were afraid that it is a thing for kids no it is very much a thing Mm -hmm. for adults as you can tell by the multiple themed alcohols available (laughs) I loved I loved the fact that we could get fire whiskey. Oh, it was great. I loved it. It was great. And you could also, like, the butterbeer is not alcoholic, but they would put a shot mm-hmm. in it for you if you wanted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Like, everything about the trip was so remarkably 
perfect. You know, the people who were there and the experience itself. And in a lot of ways for me, it felt like a really great, like, I know that this is like premature, but it felt like a really great capper to the entire witch please experience. Mm -hmm. Like a really nice way to start to sort of, you know, bring this, this particular chapter of our lives to a conclusion Mm -hmm. or or a culmination by having this like really really special trip yeah to always remember and look back on and then go and repeat yeah instead of waiting to the end maybe we should say a really heartfelt and emotional thank you Mm -hmm. to everybody who contributed to the gofundme yeah and especially to katie robeson for setting it up in the first place um and administering it throughout I mean, it literally would have been impossible for us to go without all of you. And it really was an incredibly special experience. Literally unforgettable. (laughs) Except for the part where we forgot all of the details. But that's (laughs) just because we're old and our brains aren't good anymore. Thanks, dear listeners, for joining us for season three, episode one of Witch Please, Witch Please Gone Rogue. The rest, <laughs> the rest of our episodes are, as always, available at witchplease.ca. You can always subscribe on, you know, the things people use to subscribe to podcasts. You can still always find our merch at society6.com slash ohwitchplease or through the link on our website. And one last note on the, you know, the topic of action items. Mm -hmm. We had been talking about starting a Patreon, but now that we have decided to sort of bring this project to a conclusion for the time being, um, the Patreon doesn't really make sense because it suggests sort Mm -hmm. of ongoing production of something. And so we're going to make things super old school and we're just going to throw a donate button up on our website and we'll link to it from our Twitter and our Instagram and If Witch Please has meant something to you and you would like to throw us five bucks or ten bucks to to (laughs) say thank you for the literally hundreds of hours we have spent making this podcast, (laughs) that would be really, really great. And all of that money will go towards very good causes like buying us wine. (laughs) And chips. And chips. (laughs) And special thanks, as always, to Trevor Chow Fraser, our erstwhile tech support, and the robot of our hearts. Hi, how are you doing? Uh, We will be back in a couple of weeks with another episode, the topic of which we have literally not even figured out yet. But until then, (laughs) later, witches! like shittier animatronics but it would come to life that word is hard to say when you've had half a bottle of wine shitty animatronics and em- 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 em-